Lord, thanks for your goodness to us and your love for us. I ask that you would bless our time today um, as we look at these quotes and as we discuss this concept. I pray you'd help me to teach clearly. Um, and just thank you that we get to do this. Um, thank you for this incredible weather outside. pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Right, before we look at quotes, right, I want to just make a lesson that it will feel redundant. Um, on purpose, I'm reteaching. And, and fortunately and unfortunately, you're all going to get it on Friday again in chapels. <laughs> a little different spin in Friday. Um, but trying to get it out to the whole group. Uh, but Book of Acts test, we went through it, right? We looked at all these unique, interesting things that were happening, signs and wonders and miracles, the main character floating away, um, the languages, uh, even these prophecies about in the last days, young men and women will prophesy, there'll be signs, there'll be wonders, powerful stuff. And then we ended the book of Acts, right? Somebody read the last verse of the book of Acts, and what do we notice about that? That there's not what? There's not, it doesn't say the end. Why? Yeah, we're, we are that book. Like, we're in it. And so today is this the biblical worldview. Like, I wonder how we're doing with an authentic biblical worldview. Because the book of Acts is supposed to be our story, chapter 2018, which would mean that we have the worldview that they had in the Bible. Are we tracking? So then, technically speaking, what's possible in that worldview? Yeah, with God, all things are possible. We sing songs, we quote the verse, we say we believe that. I'm not here, I'm here to push in on that. I'm not here to, to knock that over, but I'm here to have us try to really take that seriously. So let's just jump in. And one of the best ways that I've found to help us understand the book of Acts, to understand this biblical worldview that I'm having you try to step into with these last three weeks of class, it's going to go fast, is to use uh, Star Wars, to use... Lord of the Rings, to use Harry Potter, to use the Avengers, and all these stories, right? And uh, when we look at when we look at the Iliad and Odyssey and Greek mythology, and we look at our modern cultures, we got Disney movies, right, with Elsa and her superpowers and. I saw that the grammar school play, which was awesome. We've got Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo and the fairy godmother, who she rocked it. Um, we've got, I think, we're, uh, more than a billion dollars has gone into Avengers already. That's how much they've made. Why are we all going? I wrote this in the text, but why are we all going to see Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Avengers? What's in that that we like so much? Heroes. The heroes? What kind of heroes, though? Superheroes. Super powerful, supernaturally endowed heroes, right? And by the way, they're also the movies are really what? They're good, they're exciting, it's great storytelling. Fair enough? Yeah. So we lean into all that stuff. Uh, what is that genre called? Fantasy, science fiction, but fiction, 
And why? Because it's not real. So we call it myth. We call it fiction. We call it science fiction. We call it fantasy. It's a genre because these are all stories that have been made up. They're not real. So if I did this, if I said, I got a death threats for today coming in. Ready? Yeah? Okay. So, we got. I mean, we're talking about myth today, so I thought I would bring Gandalf in to talk to you guys. And some of you are laughing, right? Like, what if I was dead serious? Like, no, Gandalf's in the hall. That'd be so sick. I'm probably... Yeah, now, those of you who are responding in the positive light, I'm not talking the actor with the clothes. Like, who is in the hall? Gandalf is in the hall. And those of you who are trying to run with that are like, no way. Gandalf of White is in the hall. Although I love Gandalf the Grey. We'll talk about that later. But I tell you Gandalf's in the hall, and what will the other half of you say? Yeah, you're lying. There's no way. Why? You play no, no, it's real. not real. Fine, then I'll go get Ray. We'll have Ray come and talk to us. But what's the problem there? It's not real. How about Captain America? Can I get him? He's like, come on, America. But he's not what? Batman? How about Harry Potter? Dumbledore? Nope. <laughs> Guys, if they're all gonna walk in the room, hey, superpower right there. Attention, getting. I tell you guys are gonna get in the room. I appreciate the chatting. We're trying to process it on some level, but that's not gonna happen. Why? They're they're actually not real. It's myth. It's it's fiction. I know I burst the bubble there for some of us. Sorry, but let's lean into this. Most of the world. Most, most of the world, I don't need to give you a percentage, but most of the world, if I say, oh yeah, okay, Paul the Apostle's coming in. He's going to talk to us today. Now, first off, why would we not believe that? Because he's dead in heaven. But, he at least was what? Real. Or Peter. Or if I like, Jesus, how about this one? Like, Jesus is going to come and talk to us today. Now that gets a little different, because what? He could. Could that actually happen? Yes. Yes, or... So you guys, for most of the world, why would they write that off as well? Because they don't believe in Jesus. It's the same as Gandalf walking in the room. It's myth. It's fiction. For most of the world. Why? Why are the Gospels, and especially the Book of Acts, but maybe all those other crazy stories as well, why is it just fiction? What makes the Bible fiction or fantasy or mythological as well? They're fantastic stories. They're fantasy stories. Like? Walking on water. Feeding thousand people with a lunch. Fish jumping in a net. You know, like coins in fish's mouth to pay taxes. Dead people coming back to life. The main character floating away. Right? So actually, let's, let's connect the dots. For many of you, for many of you, you s we say that we believe the Bible is real, but we aren't going to say that Avengers is or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. Yet, if we actually objectively step back and look at the Bible and we read it, it's going to read like what? 
like a Star Wars story. If we're really blunt and actually honest, what would it have been like to walk behind Jesus for three years? It, literally, day in and day out. What would it have been like for you and I to watch this dude do what? Stop a storm? Like, what? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Who, who would want to be in Hogwarts or the Shire? Or who would want to be on the Millennium Falcon with a couple Jedi? Anybody out there want to be in any of those movies? Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Why? It'd be so cool. Why would it be so cool? But I want you to actually, some of you are tracking with me. Use your imagination and try to imagine being on the Millennium Falcon at the end of that last movie with Ray and Leia. And like, you've got, that would be what? Crazy, because they actually have supernatural power that they use. Does that make sense? Right? Or imagine being at Hogwarts. You're a student there watching all of this crazy stuff. It would be what? It would be mind-blowing. I don't, you guys, we describe what it would be like to be in the Avengers movie. What would it have been like to be Peter standing on a lake? Incredible. But it's not a movie. It's what? Right? So I think if we're going to have a biblical worldview, what type of take on the world do we have to have? Actually, if we're really going to have an authentic biblical worldview, it's going to probably feel more like we're living in a fantasy story than what we've been dealt. Are we tracking? Yes or no? Yeah? And so I want to challenge us today. This is the lesson for today. But C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien had to deal in their face with so many people Basically just writing up the Bible as myth, 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 myth. It's fantasy. It's myth. There's no way that miracles, miracles. We don't see any. We don't see stuff. So I'm not going to believe it, right? And they kept writing it up and writing it up. And Lewis and Tolkien realized that fighting that isn't going to work. So rather than fighting, oh, come on, the Bible's not a myth. What does Tolkien do? Well, he writes a myth. But like Tolkien's like, oh, no, no. The Bible's totally a myth. It's just what kind of myth? It's the real myth. It's the myth that we're in. All the other ones are fake. The one that we're in is mythical. It's, it feels like a fictional story, but it's actually true. So that's where like my organization, I'm, I'm calling it in the true myth. Like how can you find your place in the true myth? Not just the true story, but the true what? The true mythical story, the true epic adventure. If your life doesn't feel like you're on the Millennium Falcon, why? If it doesn't feel like you're at a Hogwarts, why? All of those movies are less than what's happening in Scripture. Right? Which is intriguing to me. You can almost now see why people really don't go with the Bible. Because if we actually have a biblical worldview, that worldview is going to be a worldview that is supernatural, like a fantasy story. And that's where I now land us on here. Why did Lewis and Tolkien create these stories? So they can teach us. They created fantasy stories 
So their stories can teach us about what? Our fantasy story. They created, Tolkien writes a myth so that we can learn about our myth. Actually, all great stories point to what? The true great story. Yeah. If we lived in Hogwarts or something, would that actually be that cool, though? Or would it just be normal? Say that again? If we lived in Hogwarts or in yeah. stories, would it actually be cool? Or would it just be like oh, a come standard on. normal? I, I wish, like... I wish I could have set you up to say that. All right, come on, let's go up right there. You got the lesson. That is the lesson. Because after a while, for the disciples, what's going to be the normal? Miracles and supernatural stuff. What is the design for the church? The design for the church is to have the supernatural just feel what? Natural and normal. Because for Jesus, was it normal? He just walked around. He's like, oh, dead person, get up. Oh, sick person, you're healed. That was normal for Jesus. He didn't live a different way. Is it normal for us? But could it be? That's the mess. That's today's lesson. It's the whole point is, is that it's, what has our modern culture done? They've not only not said it's normal, they said it's what? Not possible. Look at the work we have to do. You ready, you guys? Check this out. Even at a Christian school, how much work do we have to do just to get this worldview? Does that make sense? Just to realize that miracles, signs, wonders, resurrections, healings, kicking out demons, that's just all in a day's work. Like, that's just normal. And not only that, we're not just superheroes. I, I'm saying just superheroes. We're like God. Like, Jesus is the example for us. That's who we're like. What? <laughs> right? Like, does that... It almost sounds crazy. Well, I think once we realize that it sounds crazy, then yeah. So I think in Hogwarts, was it supposed to feel normal to be doing all the supernatural stuff? Yeah. For Luke and Ray and Jedis, is it normal just to like move stuff and flip stuff around? I guess not. If they weren't doing it, it would be abnormal. Right? Did anybody catch that? Mm -hmm. If they're not living that way, it would be abnormal. So what's the implication for today's lesson? Uh, this one pastor that I know and really respect said, there used to be a time when I would be suspicious of churches that were filled with signs and wonders and miracles. And now, anybody want to guess what his statement is now? Now he's suspicious of what? Those who don't. The churches who aren't filled with it. I was like, ooh, yeah, bring it. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, we don't want to create a culture of judging and that kind of stuff because you can be close to the heart of Christ and not be filled with signs and wonders and miracles. Mary Magdalene is not known for that, and she was close to Christ. However, I like how you said it. It would just be normal. You don't have to be a magician at Hogwarts, but the magic is just normal. That's, I think, the real lesson for today. I like, actually, that's one of the reasons why I like Star Wars is you don't have to be a Jedi to still be a good guy. Does that make sense? It's just Jedis are normal, part of their culture. Not everybody's a Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. But isn't it nice to have a Gandalf on your journey? <laughs> sure is helpful. I think that's when we'll start understanding body of Christ. Not everybody has to do signs and wonders and miracles. Not everybody has to be a Peter and a Paul. But to not have that at youth group, to not have that at your school, to not have that in your church should feel abnormal, or to think that that behavior is abnormal is off. 
thank you for going there. I was like, <gasps> someone got it. <laughs> the other question. So is that thing, I think it's cessationism? Cessationism. Is that yeah. Is that well, uh, I want to be careful because cessationists will use the Bible to support their beliefs to say that God doesn't do stuff anymore. What is the, and I'm going to be careful how I phrase this, but what is the logical fallacy there about God? I mean, he's, yeah, we're going to limit him. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Like, why would he not do supernatural stuff? The other thing that's really tricky with that one is we're specifically supposed to use discipleship as the model to spread the kingdom. Well, disciples are supposed to do what other people do. If, if God wanted to just spread word, he could have like, now it would have been better just use Twitter or something. But instead he picked the rabbinical method to spread all this. Well, that's supposed to be discipleship, discipleship. We're supposed to be carrying that on and, and spreading it. That helpful? So cessationists are going to use scripture to say that it's not happening anymore. Here's the sad thing for me when I talk with them is they're going to say mostly, well, we don't need signs and wonders to validate the truth. Of course, we don't need that. It's not necessary. But is it helpful? <laughs> yeah, and did in the book of Acts, were they using signs and wonders? Did Jesus use signs and wonders? Jesus even said, if you don't believe me, believe the miracles. In the book of Acts, we use the miracles to validate the message. So can we still do that today? Actually, it's maybe part of the point. Yeah? The risk... On the cessationist side of things, the risk is that if we only focus on signs and wonders and miracles, we might miss the actual message. That's the whole, this is not a pipe lesson. That's a risk, of course, but there's a risk in not doing them either, <laughs> that people won't believe the message. Because we say, powerful God, no power. That's awkward. Yeah, he's a God of wonders and healing, but not anymore. It just doesn't, yeah. Um, the dispensational one, would be one that I think could hold a little bit of water better because were there potentially 400 years between the last prophet and John the Baptist of just kind of not much? Yeah, <laughs> okay, maybe. But I would say after Jesus came, the dispensation is to be the Holy Spirit passed on through believers forever and all nations, right? So it wasn't really supposed to stop. <laughs> so can we try to revive, revival, bring it back? Yeah, let's do it, which is what we're doing right now. Why does this class exist to connect those dots? Which, by the way, thank you for connecting these dots. This is brilliant. Why are we doing this class and not just the signs and wonders and miracles and all those kinds of class? What does it really take to walk in this stuff? The worldview. Like, if you don't have a worldview that this stuff is even possible, that God does it, it's going to be tricky to make that sustainable, right? So that's what today is about. And what I want you to understand, especially as teenagers, as we have all these, I, I can't help but connect the dot. We're spending billions of dollars making these movies and then spending billions of dollars watching them. And the reason why those are the ones that are so popular right now is I think they're filled with supernatural awesomeness. And it's, it's like, we know, even if it's not cognitively, we know intuitively that we're made in the image of God. We're supposed to be living supernatural lives. Fair enough. My favorite, I shouldn't say favorite. I have to be careful with that. But one of, I think, the most effective stories for this is the Elsa story. I think that's why Frozen went so crazy when it did. 
is she has a supernatural power, but her parents are like, no, no, hide it, hide it. We don't know what to do with it. Right? She has a supernatural gift, but they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to handle it, so they, they suffocate it. Does that make sense? And then that creates bitterness and anger in her because she knows she's a superhero. Yay for Anna. Love. And at the end, why, why is everything all restored so beautifully? Is she's learning how to use it for love and using a, use her gift in a really healthy, good way to build the kingdom, her kingdom. Go team. Was it okay that I referenced Frozen? I don't. Am I allowed to do that still? No. It'll be popular again in like 20 years. Your your kids. There you go. All right. Other questions, thoughts, or comments? Thank you for those. That was fabulous. Well, how about this then? What are some of the cool quotes on the page here about myth? Anybody have a quote or two on myth? Because to be to be really blunt, like this is what your final is. Your final exam is to practice this worldview. How can I pick an epic adventure, look at that epic character, and then identify with that character and see myself in an epic story? We've just got to practice thinking this way. And so this final exam, with picking a really cool movie, a mythical adventure, can help us do that. How about from these pages? Any cool quotes pop out at you guys? Which ones that you like? Yeah, what do you like? I have a question. Actually. Question, that's why we're here. What's a Ah, you catastrophe. So what's a catastrophe? That's like one of the worst things that could happen. So you catastrophe is one of the best things that could happen. Yeah. So go Tolkien. When you're a philologist, a studier of words, you get to do cool stuff like that. Cool quote? Anybody? Who's got one? Yeah, what do you got? Isn't that great? What do you like about it? Well, I think it's so interesting, like an enchanted tree that has golden apples. Golden apples would be so cool. You guys, these, these trees have all just been sticks all winter. And in a few months, they're gonna, sticks are going to have apples pop out of them. Like a Honeycrisp apple is just as cool, if maybe not more cool than a golden apple. You're like, oh, gold would be so cool. You guys, the, sticks make apples. What? Like, I think part of it is we, we forget that we live in an enchanted world, right? What just happened to all these trees in the past week? The pink and white just pops out of these sticks. Like, what? If I had a stick over here and I held it up in front of you, and then during the week, a pink thing popped out of it, you'd all be like, oh my gosh, magic. Yet it's happening all around us. And we don't call it magic. Like, oh, well, that's just normal. It's, we, we, we think that it's ordinary for a 400-year-old elm tree to be standing on our property. Ordinary? That tree is older than our country. <laughs> that tree was a sapling when Shakespeare was writing. Yeah, that's not ordinary. Like, that thing's amazing. It takes five people to hug it. It's bigger than the Fine Arts Center. 
It's a national monument. We have on our campus a 400-year-old, older than 400-year-old elm tree. It's amazing. Which or it's on the National Registry, not monument. Sorry, that's the wrong word. It's on the National Registry, though. Like, it's a protected item. We have it right here. And we all just walk by it, whatever. Oh, another elm tree. You guys, first off, we think, oh, xylem phloem leaves, whatever. No, it's alive. That thing has been alive for 400 years. How do they know it's been alive for 400 years? They don't know it for certain because you'd have to kill it to find out. But they've, they've, all the other trees that were that old got cut or been down like a, you know, 150 years ago. Bummer. You know, a tree, I don't know if you knew this. A squirrel could run from New York City to the Mississippi River without touching the ground before the clear cut. There's only 3% of old growth left. Wow. When, they, when they showed up here, I know, come on, right? Yeah, you guys, the redwood forest, you know those little cute little pockets of redwood forest? That was the entire state of California and Oregon and Idaho. Yeah, they, they have pictures of them doing it with these massive saws and like they take days to do it. And they, Bummer, at least we got that one. Still, right? Didn't think they didn't touch that one. Like, thank you for like that one quote. This this concept of what can myth do? The the trees in the Lord of the Rings are so cool, but maybe we can understand like the trees we have are actually really cool. Like, right? Any other quote? Who's got another one? Come on. Number thirteen. What do you like about it? Myth is that not that myth is irrational, but it accommodates the rational while rising above it. I don't know. It's just a different way to look at myth from ever. That that quote saved my butt when I was studying at Oxford, because like they kept telling me, but Christianity's not logical. It's illogical. It's illogical. It's illogical. And then I got this quote, and I was like, <gasps> it's not that it's illogical. It's just what the truth is bigger. Is logic great? Yeah. Reality is bigger than logic. Ah, yeah, thank you, Kilby. How about this one? There's no didactic prescription of the right way to live. In other words, instead of moralizing about the corruptness of men and their damnation through their sins, demanding what must be good and turn the other cheek in the face of adversity. By the way, who's heard a sermon on that? Who's heard a sermon on turn the other cheek or that our sins can destroy us and that we have to be loving to our enemies? Come on, I want to see hands, actual hands. Who's heard a sermon on that? Right? Okay. Good. Guess what? If you watch the Tolkien movies or read Lord of the Rings, you will watch Frodo be kind and gracious and compassionate to a character that wants to kill him while he's sleeping. Which, by the way, has anybody ever been in a tent with someone who wants to kill you? Yeah. Frodo does, yes, Frodo does it and pulls it off and loves his enemy. That's amazing. I don't think some of you caught what I just did. You've all heard sermons on it, but you could also get the same message, maybe even more powerfully where? Watching Lord of the Rings. Click. Now, are sermons bad? No, God gave sermons. I love sermons. I've had a few sermons change my life, but I've also had a few stories change my life, like Lord of the Rings and Narnia. Story is powerful. It can point us to truth. It might be more powerful than a sermon for some of us. 
I think it's interesting. The tempt who's heard a, who's heard a sermon on temptation and sin and how it can bring death and destruction? Come on, raise your hand, right? You know what? I'm going to do it in about two weeks. I'm going to show you a 20-minute clip of Boromir falling into temptation with the ring and then getting filled with arrows and getting taken off the quest. That's, that's a sermon on temptation and fall and consequences of sin. And it's so sad. You're right. It's so sad. Because would Boromir have wanted to be at the last battles with Aragorn riding out against the elephants to protect the castle and going to the Black Gate? He would have loved it. It's not that sin made Boromir an enemy. It's just that sin took him off the quest. He missed out on all the awesomeness. Bummer. That, that, that sermon changed my life and my view of sin. Boromir never became an orc. It's just sin took him off the quest. I don't want, I'm trying to keep my life clean from sin just so I don't do something that will destroy me or my family and take me off the quest. Right? Because sin brings death. Powerful stuff. Another quote? Who's got one? Yeah, what do you got? I like 11. Yeah. What do you like about that? Well, you know what it said? Look, this is the Shema, which is kind of crazy. Gandalf is literally quoting the Shema, which is, love the Lord your God with all your... Wait, look at look at the text. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, and mind. Heart, soul, strength, and mind. What does Gandalf tell Frodo to do? <laughs> Use your <coughs> strength, heart, and wits. Your strength, heart, and mind. That's crazy. I mean, obviously Tolkien's trying to point us to the story. But yeah, Frodo not only can and should, but does save Middle-earth. That's so cool. Who does, God, who does Jesus pick to change the world? A bunch of teenagers. And a, and a doctor and a tax collector, right? I love that quote. That, that quote actually is the impetus for your final exam is to realize like Frodo's on a journey, Gandalf says those types of things. Frodo has to use his strength, heart, and wits. We need to use, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. His quest is to destroy the ring. What's our quest? Love the Lord your God. That's our quest. How are we doing it? Loving God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. How are we doing there? And then how are we doing destroying evil? Right, like we've got plenty on our plate. We got enough time for one more. Who's got one? I had someone last class just really appreciate that number three. We need joy. Right, it's the eucatastrophe one. He's like, there's no tale ever told that men would rather find as true and none which so many skeptical men have accepted as true on its own merits. We watch these movies and like, I wish that could be true. Then we read the Bible and we're like, oh, that's too good to be true. I wish it could be true. And then it actually what? It is. It's the true, amazing, awesome story. I love it. But... Uh, how about the quote, seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. 
Yet, I think so many of us as Christians are known for just being serious. Right? Like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Not love, joy, peace, patience, seriousness. Self-control. Like, of course we got to take things seriously, but I love this Tolkien quote is so great. Like we need joy. We need the happy ending. We need God to come and save us. And it's actually, we want it so bad that we wish it was true. And in the Bible, we find out what it actually is. I mean, I, I would love for you guys to consider how many movies, especially Disney, but how many movies have a character at the beginning who is in poverty, or they don't know really who they are. And by the end of the story, we find out that they're a what? A prince, or a princess, or a king. And we're like, man, that'd be so cool. Wouldn't it be so cool if I could find out that I'm actually a king of a country, or that I'm a prince, a daughter or son of the king? You're like, that, what, oh, what a cool story. I wish that was me, and what's our story? Just that. <laughs> Wait, we've been adopted by God. Our dad is God. Our dad is the king of the universe. We are that story. Again, today's class, biblical worldview. What, you've probably been told to have a biblical worldview, been taught about a biblical worldview, and here we are in a worldview class. And I want us to look, what actually is a biblical worldview? What does it actually look like? Right? And it means putting on the view of what it would have been like to walk around with Jesus back then and with Jesus right now. Have a great day. Bless you. Thanks for today, for listening. Great questions. Well done. Have a mythical day. <laughs>